This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hi, my name is Peter Tomasi. Hi, this is James Hyman IV. Hi, I'm Dan Jurgens. Hey, I'm Duncan Wynn. This is Jim Lee. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Mark Hamill speaking. This is Kevin Conroy. This is Tim Sale. Hello, everyone. I'm Batman, and you're listening to my podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comics Podcast, Season 12, Episode 15. Today, I have an extra guest co-host. Welcome back, Palo, for his second co-hosting experience. Thank you very much. And we also have our standard crew of Steph, Theo, and myself. Hello. Como esta? Como esta? Como si, all right, so we're going to jump into our reviews after we cover a bit of comic news. We have a bit more than usual. I just found out that the Walmart Giant program have sadly been canceled. So they're no longer going to be releasing the new combined with reprinted stories in a 100-page Giant format for $5, which for me was a really great deal. Instead, they've funneled all of their creative pro, uh, teams from that line into the digital first line. And instead of the original content, they're going to be packaging recent floppies, individual issues, in bundles of four for about $9. And I've actually seen those in Walmarts. Marvel's been running, running a similar program for a while now, several years. I'm a bit I'm actually very disappointed because I really like the Walmart Giants. I don't think they've been nearly as good since they finished the main runs with Tom King, Brian Bendis, and Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor. But they've still had a lot of fun stories, and it was nice to just have that sort of collectible thing on your shelf. They had a really nice uniform look about it. I have a bunch of them. I collected all of the Tom King and Brian Bendis and Wonder Woman stories from that first year and a half. Is it just sales or whatever? My, I say as a salesperson. <laughs> my guess is the shutdown meant they had to funnel a lot of energy towards their digital program, and they weighed the two, and they noticed that because people are shopping less in person, they're just mm-hmm. not getting as many sales from the the Giants program, and they mm-hmm. felt they could they could funnel the same money to the digital program. And, At, and it's not it's not like they're they're giving up on comics either in these stores i mean because even when they were selling the 100 page giants there were other comic related stuff that they had on the shelves um they had you know packs and they had old you know wizard style magazines um and of course they had some comic related toys as well i, I brought several of the um 
Batman black and white mini statues that they they had on sale, and they were all in that same section. Those so mini statues are really snazzy, by the way. They are. They're really nice. And uh, I was able to get one of each uh, just by feeling my way through the bag. Um, but, you know, I, I, it, it's good to know that they're not totally giving up on comics in Walmart and other types of stores. Um, especially considering I didn't, I didn't, after, like, like Ian was saying, after the first run, um, you know, Up in the Sky and Batman Universe, after those were done, um, I pretty much tailed off from buying them as well. Yeah, I would just pick up one or two now and then. I didn't go every month the way I did when they were doing the, the main stories. And those packs is kind of how I got my feet wet because I found out about, you know, I think I've mentioned like it was online. I saw a picture of of Bruce and Selena getting engaged and that's how I got interested in comics. But I got my feet wet buying comics by finding a pack at Walmart and it had a rebirth issue in it. And the rest of them was, I think, old New 52 stuff they were trying to get rid of. <laughs> so the rest of it didn't mean much to me. But, you know, those are those are cool for people who are curious but don't really know how to buy comics or where to buy them or just, you know, curious. I wonder if part of this, the, the notion of selling the packs, you know, these books as packs, is a part of the justification for making comics returnable with comic shops. Cause I believe, you know, when DC started shipping out again, they said that they were making some of their books returnable again. That's um, a really good point. And I, I know that they must be getting the, cause they're, you know, the last few months comics, I've seen like eBay reselling of these packs. Cause they got like collectible things that people think are worth selling on eBay. So that would really answer where the pipeline of these issues is coming from. Yeah. Just comic shops returning them and, not losing money, but DC still finding a way to make money by shipping them off to uh, Walmart's and other stores like Target, and still allowing you know another pipeline to get into the uh, to get into the industry. You know, because you'll 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 find more youngsters in Walmart with mom and dad than you you know you'll have them asking to go to a comic shop. Agreed. Although I think that the price point of nine bucks rather than five bucks is really, mm-hmm. I understand why they're doing it, but it, <sighs> I look at those packs and I'm like, even if I didn't already have those, cause you know, I collect Batman, so I don't need those issues. It just feels high. You know, the, the difference between $5 and $9 is a big mental leap. So I think that they're probably, they probably should consider dropping it. Just to well, have that psychological. How many are in a pack? Four. Okay, so that's what two less than two fifty a book. So it's about two bucks a book. Yeah, it's a good deal for per book. But how many people actually think per book when they're getting a bundle? I mean, I think most people. I mean, there's a reason that the ninety nine cent thing is a thing rather than a dollar because that one cent makes a big psychological difference. And so I think that even though per page you're probably getting a better deal than the walmart comics it doesn't work that way when you're doing the impulse buy that dc is trying to get with these packs you know this is a checkout line type people they're just like oh that's a good deal i want to put in my cart mm-hmm. yeah i i got it when it was five so i don't i don't know now if i would get it when it's 
11 or whatever. Well, hopefully successful for them. Hopefully. Absolutely. Another issue I like I had, I, I found myself running to Walmart at the same time every month because there were so few of the 100-page giants that would be shipped out. Perhaps it's also an issue there. I still don't have Batman number five from the first run. And even though I was making every effort to collect them all, once I realized I did not have five and I could not find five, I stopped caring as much to collect the rest. Maybe with these four packs, that sort of continuity won't make as much of a difference to people like yeah. me who are almost OCD with collecting every <laughs> single issue. I really feel you there, Palo, because I got everything... And sometimes when I didn't have it, I would have to eBay some of them. <laughs> and I didn't get the final issue of Superman. I was so angry because I went the day after they came out and someone had bought all five of them. And I finally got that final issue on eBay a couple of weeks ago. And that's a year after the original issue came out. So... I, I really feel you. If, if I'd missed one of those and I wasn't willing to go on eBay and spend like four or five extra dollars to get it, I really would have struggled with, do I really want to keep collecting these? Exactly. Yeah, well, the problem was some sometimes a particular Walmart just never got the book. That's very you true. Know, I, I was fortunate. I have two Walmarts that's in driving range of where I live. And one pretty much was always one to two issues behind. Because I remember, you know, everybody went stone cold crazy with the episode, uh, I mean, with the issue of Up in the Sky when Lois died over and over. And people were crying out murder because they couldn't find that issue. People were picking up five, ten copies and, you know, trying to eBay him. And, you know, I was lucky that I was able to find one. Even though Walmart and DC had this deal, you know, to where, okay, these are the set number of stores that's going to get these books. It didn't mean that they always got them. Yeah, there there was a lot of behavior that I really didn't appreciate from the online market community about the Walmart books. All right, so I wanted to move on a little bit to the Digital First program, which has sort of replaced the Walmart program. This week, and actually today, we're recording on Tuesday, which is the Batman Gotham Knights Day, they dropped an issue of that series, Batman Gotham Knights, and that's spelled with an N, not a K, that was called Five Little Robins, written by Tim Seeley, who wrote Grayson and several other, and Nightwing, and illustrated by V. Ken Marion, and it features all five incontinuity Robins. So that's Dick Grayson, Nightwing, Tim Drake, Drake, uh, Jason Todd, Red Hood, Stephanie Brown, Spoiler, and Damian Wayne, Current Robin. And I highly recommend getting this. It's a dollar on Comixology or DC's own digital platform. It's uh, really Amazon. good. What? Or Amazon. Uh, no, it's not that on is, Amazon. I've been looking. Well, Amazon is Comixology, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I bought mine from. I, I always buy mine from Amazon. Oh, now, because, yeah, because you, if you buy on Amazon and you link to your Comixology account, your library transfers over. Oh, there it is. Okay, so it, you can't pre-order on Amazon. I, I guess you can pre-order yes, on Comixology. Really? 
Yeah, I pre-ordered. Matter of fact, I was up at around midnight last night, and I got the ping saying that they've charged my card for it. You must teach me your ways. I was not <laughs> able to do this. I bought it through Comixology. But it's it's a really great issue. It's a fun series. It's got a lot of focus on other non-Batman characters. So you got an issue about Duke Thomas. You got some stuff about the villains. And Red Hood was last week. But this week is all the Robins. And it's just a really fun anthology sort of round robin. Each issue is a dollar. It's not a full 22 pages. Usually sometimes it's you know, 15 pages or 14 pages this week. Sometimes it is a full 20, 22 pages, but it's a really good deal. Pretty high quality, pretty good creative teams. They're not, you know, doing the bottom of the barrel stuff that they sometimes do for these promotional comics. And I just wanted to highlight that because, you know, Stephanie Brown appearing as a Robin in this comic is a big deal for me. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say, you know, I haven't read this issue yet, but it's already my favorite issue simply because of the cover. That cover is great because it's all five front, Robins swinging out in the front. Front and center. Yep, and Damien Damien's front, kicking front his foot out. Front and center, that's right. It's really, it's really beautiful, really nice art. Um, Theo has a piece of news about uh, some of the merchandise we've got available. Yeah, so a while back, DC solicited their, again, it's a part of their black and white line and uh it was actually introduced um last year at comic-con their batman city that they had set up at comic-con celebrating the 80th anniversary and they commissioned tom mcfallen to do the 100th statue of the batman black and white statue line and the statue that he did was based on the cover that he did in batman 423 it was one of the first you know, issues that he did cover work for and is absolutely marvelous. And I pre-ordered it when it was first solicited and, you know, been waiting on it and been waiting on it. So they finally announced that uh, it's set to release on, uh, in, in, sorry, not October, in August. Uh, so or actually late July, uh, early August. So I am excited about this. I've been waiting for it. Uh, the cover is, if you, if you've seen it before, it's absolutely wonderful. The cover, uh, is actually Batman holding a young lady, uh, in his arms, protecting her. Whereas, uh, the statue does not have the, uh, the young girl, uh, but it's still just a truly marvelous statue, uh, that they're going to be selling. Uh, I believe DC has it, direct for 135 i was luckily able to pre-order for less than that so uh it can't get here soon enough that is a pretty cool statue and i can't wait to see some pics on the discord that's it for our news this week let's move on to our reviews First up, we've got Batman number 94, written by James Tynan IV, illustrated by Raphael Albuquerque and Guillaume March. In the past, Bruce reflects on designs for Gotham City. An old man in a coat and a hat trudges down the street. Bruce gives chase. The old man, Cassandra Wycliffe Baker, brushes Mr. Wayne off. Cassandra wants nothing to do with Bruce, though he was once the world's greatest detective. He disappeared because he was humiliated and outmatched by arch-enemy the designer. 
He then informs Bruce that he'll teach Bruce the most important lesson of all, how to lose. In the present, Lucius Fox arrives to help a badly injured Batman, telling him that he must go to a hospital. Batman ignores him, saying that the Joker stole the Wayne fortune. He demands to speak with Catwoman. Batman apologizes to a barely conscious Selina over the phone, telling her that this is all his fault. He pushed everyone away. Bruce tells Selina he understands if she needs to leave, but he wishes she would stay. At a private airfield away from Gotham City, the assassins load up onto their private jet. Cheshire walks over to Deathstroke, and he tells her he's taking one last look at Gotham before it's destroyed. At the hospital, Batman finds an empty, bloodied bed where Catwoman was moments before. Just then, Joker's goons enter, noting it was smart of Batman to get Catwoman away from them before they could collect her. Punchline kidnapped Lucius Fox, and Joker's goons open fire on Batman. So he leaps out the hospital window. Somewhere secret, Catwoman awakens in a luxurious bed. Penguin informs her that he's the wrong wind creature, not Batman. He grants her entry into his private lounge, the cool room, which is on lockdown so that no one is allowed out as Joker's war rolls over the city. Batman climbs atop a skyscraper. A giant red bat symbol lights up behind him as he promises Alfred to become a better Batman. This is the ending of Their Dark Designs, a nine-part story arc which leads into Joker War. First question, how do you think the story ends? Or do you think it doesn't end? I really feel like it, it sort of figures out as if it should have ended, but maybe because of the upcoming Joker War, it, it feels like it's just kind of dragging along a little bit um, it, into almost a, a non-ending for me, except for that very last page. That, that seems to be a clincher, but I, I really didn't get a feel for an ending for of this particular arc. Yeah, I mean, because in fact, they open up some more cans of worms that they don't seem to really intend on answering because you've got, what's his name, Baker, who's got something to do with the designer. So he's in the book again. We thought we were finally done with him. And although it, does, it doesn't it does really seem to end, but it does seem to, all, all the threads that were followed for the the designer arc whatever do seem to be flowing right into joker war so yes there is no ending but i think that's okay like there wasn't anything i felt i needed closure on or a conclusion to in this story i don't want to compare it to war of jokes and riddles and that i wanted it to be over (laughs) but it was shorter than that one but also it's it kept me interested enough in what was to come that now we're that we're we're on the train to Joker War. I'm oh, I'm good. I'm content with with what we have read, and I'm happy with how it set it up. And I'm I'm ready for Joker War. It had a very Scott Snyder type of feel to it. Mm-hmm. You know, the type of book that ends but doesn't. But here it 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 works because we know that this technically isn't the end you know yeah it's the end of the story arc but it's not the end of the over 
overarching story that Tynan is leading us into. So I'm okay with how it ended, knowing what's to come. I would argue that this is actually the ending of Act 1, um, just because we know Joker War is coming, and we know that Tynan doesn't intend to leave the book after Joker War is over. So this really feels, I wouldn't say like set up, but it is a cliffhanger on purpose. And I, I kind of wish that it weren't the cliffhanger of a nine-issue arc. Uh, it's sort of like super heavy. I mean, I think Theo will agree with me here. It's not necessarily that you you couldn't tell good stories with Jim Gordon as Batman. It's that you didn't need to tell a 10-issue story with Jim Gordon as Batman. It would have been much better if you'd told, you know, two five-issues or maybe two th- uh, three-issue stories and one four-issue story. I think you could have used these nine issues, done a four-issue and a five-issue arc or uh, three three-issue arcs and sort of set the status quo of what James Tynan's Batman would be like long-term. The big, you know, gaffe we had in the middle, which is definitely not Tynan's fault, it doesn't help the fact that this is just a really long arc that takes place over one night. I mean, not even 24 hours. It's a really long comic page length for how much time actually passes. I'm in agreement with that. It is... The long story for less than 12 hours. We get a lot of history, though. We, we care do. about all of it. We I mean, I, I mostly do care about it. I mean, I like the detective. I think it's a cool little thing for him to, to have as part of oh, the world I was talking about building. the designer, mostly. <laughs> the which one? I was talking about the designer, mostly. Oh, I like but... the backstory of the designer, though. That story yeah. where you, you see... You know, Selena, Riddler, Penguin, Joker, Mm -hmm. all going to meet the designer. I thought that was a really cool issue. The costume just sucked so bad. (laughs) But it was your favorite costume for Selena. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was my favorite costume for Selena, but the design is just terrible. (laughs) I agree. The designer was not the best part of this arc, even though he's supposed to be the big bad. But he didn't turn out to be the big bad, so whatever. Our next question is... The end of this issue says next month. I think this is because originally this was going to be at the end of a month and because of the lockdown and the way the issues were released, it was actually shifted to the first release of a month. So it's really, I checked the solicits, we are going to get Batman number 95, the first issue of Joker War, in the third week of July. So don't worry about that. This run was also not going to be shifting monthly because... They really want to get to issue 100 for that 100 sales boost. So they're going to get to that as quickly as possible. And we'll see what happens after that. I mean, DC still hasn't stopped Wonder Woman from being twice monthly, even though I really think they should. But they they really they like their double shipping. Are they expected to get to 100 before 1027? Or right after? I think it's right after. I don't... I'm pretty sure September, which is when 1027 is supposed to come out, is also when Batman 99 is solicited. So I believe October will feature Batman 100, which is decent scheduling, but it's... It still doesn't fix the fact that I really think they need to stop double shipping now, because it puts too much stress on 
the stories and the wallets, and I think people think differently when they're creating a twice-monthly book. How did you like the references to Batman Year One and Batman R.I.P., or any other references you thought that um, Tynan was seeding into this book? Um, honestly, and I, I feel a little uh, educated here, um, I didn't really catch any uh, on my read-through. You have me at a disadvantage here. Well, the big one. We all know that. Time. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. The big one for me. Well, I I actually had someone point out the RIP. So the big one for me is at the end of either last issue or the issue before, the designer is found in Wayne Manor sitting in the chair that Bruce was sitting in during year one when he has gone out and fought with Selena and fought with a pimp, and he failed, and he says. And he's, he's bleeding out. He got shot by the police. And he says, I will not ring for Alfred until I find the answer to how I can fight crime. And a bat crashes through the window, and he says, yes, father, I will become a bat. Was that the man, or was that when arises where the designer was? I'm pretty sure it's the same place, because it looks identical to me. It does, but then he doesn't realize that they're surrounded by the government who's seizing his house. And if they were in Wayne Manor, I feel like he would have been aware of that. I think it was at Wayne Enterprises. He just had that room look similar. Well, the room is definitely identical, uh, meant to look identical to the hall in Wayne Manor. Yeah. And then at the end, of course, you have what I think is a beautiful synthesis of year one... Uh, Batman R.I.P. and uh, what Tom King did with Alfred, you know, with Alfred calling Bruce his son, finally. And, you know, in Batman 85, Batman says to Thomas, Flashpoint Batman, you are not my father. Alfred was my father. So he says instead of yes, father, he says, yes, Alfred, I will become a better Batman. So that was a beautiful homage to both Tom King's run and year one. And the image where he's got that huge red bat signal is very reminiscent of the imagery of Batman R.I.P. So I think he's just really synthesizing a lot of Batman stuff, trying to make this feel really classic. Uh, so with that, how does that make you, you feel about this, this issue leading into Joker War? Now that it's been explained to me, uh, I I totally do uh, get it now, and I I do think it's a uh, it's really well played, especially since you know his last line his last line is I will become a better Batman. I think this uh, Tynion's writing kind of shows a prelude to that because he's replacing um, father with Alfred, leading up to that statement. Yeah, I think it's a. I think it's a, a beautiful moment myself. Um, I didn't catch too much of the imagery. I just kind of took notes of of stuff that was happening in the issue. Like I think, I mean, because he even talks about you know that night or later. I I you know that's when I saw the bat and made it my mission to blah blah blah. So it was cool seeing this this time his pre Batman time right before year one or during year one. So I did think that was pretty cool that we kind of get a little more story of that. Uh, did you notice uh, Bruce's The Rock face on the, I think it's six page? His eyebrow is like halfway <laughs> up his face. I just, just love that little nod to The Rock. It's like, you know, Tanya loves more than just Batman. So 
I thought that was cool. <laughs> but no, I, I liked it. I like it. And what, what really, more than anything, it helps me relax because I know, I know Tanyan's great. And I have loved a lot of the stuff I've read by Tanyan. But this just lets you know he knows his stuff. Snyder is not his only resource. He he knows Batman. He knows the history. He's read it. He knows the imagery. He knows the um the anthology. He knows the mythology. He he is familiar and and he, we are in good hands or Batman is in good hands with with Tiny. And I think that's what I got mostly out of this is just knowing for 100% sure this guy loves Batman as much as we do. And it's gonna be it's gonna be good. We don't have to be worried about Joker War. It's all good. Yeah, I always I always appreciate when when writers pull from um, history, you know, of a character, and it's not just Batman, but any any book. And you know, JT did a good job of 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 not just going back, but going back multiple times, you know, and, and I picked up, especially on uh, the year one stuff fairly quickly, and then um, realized the RIP notion uh, on a second read. And, you know, things like that is always appreciative, because like like Steph says, it it, it allows the reader to know that the writer is grounded in knowing the mythology and the ethos of the character. And, you know, this fit, this fit well with what we're doing and what JT is doing, um, you know, you know, ending, ending the arc by saying, you know, I'm going to be a better Batman. And, you know, now we're going to see, you know, pretty much maybe another rebirth of the character. So we shall see what happens in Joker War. I agree. I love the references. I think that what makes them especially good is it's not just a reference for the sake of saying, oh, I know my stuff. It's a reference that's recontextualized in an emotional setting. When Batman says, yes, Alfred, I shall become a better Batman, the change and the way it's built up and the way it ties into what's come before is all so powerful. Is it just gives you those shivers when it's almost like you know that lightning goes off behind you and you just have that shivers. He, he's just being a really effective writer here, in addition to just having so much thought going on. And you can see all the thought going on if you subscribe to his newsletter. But I think it's also on the page. Going to something that's perhaps a little less uh, friendly to us readers. The cover says their relationship in tatters and has Batman and Catwoman with their backs to each other. Why does DC keep lying to us about Batman and Catwoman breaking up on the covers and then not having anything like that happen in the book? On the other on the flip side, as another callback, Batman calls Catwoman Cat and she makes a reference to how he hasn't called her that in a while, which is sort of that was Tom King's thing, and James Tynan doesn't do that lock. But I thought it was a really respectful nod of Tynan to the previous run that makes it feel like these are the same characters, even though it's a new writer. So how do you think about the cover and the return of Bat-Cat? Uh, first, I, I agree 100% that BT um, really respects all of the history that has gone before. But that being said, I'm so tired of, of seeing covers like this over and over again. It's just kind of a, a reminder of what happened with issue 50. 
mm-hmm. perhaps casual fans dropped off the titles for it. So if they're going in, maybe trying to give things a second chance and they see another cover with these two um, such distress, it's, it's productive, I, I believe, on DC's behalf. We all want them to be, to be together. Uh, maybe so so hear me out so maybe it's reverse psychology so dc was all batman catwoman getting married yeah and then they didn't and everyone was a sucker and bought that issue so maybe they're counting on people having learned their lesson and so now when we see batman and catwoman break up it's like oh their relationship will get strengthened in this issue and they're gonna make steps forward in their relationship that's wonderful and then people buy it because they know that dc is a bunch of liars that's my theory. <laughs> that is amazing. Theory. That's amazing, but I think that gives DC way too much credit. <laughs> Wish I were that optimistic. And the return of Batcat, I loved it because if you think about it, she was unconscious and waking up in a panic and she calls out Bat and people know that her and Batman are a thing now. And so if she had woken up and called out Bruce, there might have been more questions course that whole thing is still whatever <laughs> are bruce and cat selena together or batman and catwoman together and if had had the rogues not know anyway whatever but in theory if she were under duress calling out for bat would make way more sense than calling out for bruce or at least hides his identity more not that that's really a concern these days but there you are so i love that it's back i, I, I know some people get irritated by it but i think it's adorable so not only did they lie again, but and, and and I say this as a fan of Tony Daniel, but the cover just doesn't look nice anyway. Agreed, it's it, not his best work. It's not a it is not a good looking cover at all. And one of the things that I found myself doing as of late, I've been giving either the variant covers or the textless, uh, i.e. virgin covers as of late um, to kind of avoid this stuff. Because, again, it, 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 it doesn't make sense. And, yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't give DC that much credit. It, it doesn't make sense. And, you know... Yeah, I'm, I'm. As far as the return of Batcat, yes, all day, every day. Uh, <laughs> you know, so once again, DC, if you're listening, can y'all like release Batcat already and get it over with? Um, but no, I've never had I've, I've never had an issue with 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 that with that term uh, because that that describes who they are, and that's how you know they've always described themselves. So I'm okay with that. I think the cover, as Theo says, is not very appealing. I think that the use of this... The cover itself is not great, but adding that text to it is just frustrating because they keep doing it, and they're doing it again during Joker War. So I'm just really over them trying to tell me that Batcat are breaking up because it's it's cheap. It doesn't make me feel like DC is treating this story with respect, I do love how James Tynan wrote them. I think that he really respected Tom King and he respected the characters and he made it 
emotional. Like I, I felt for Catwoman and Batman in this issue. And I think that's the mark of good writing is you, you get into these characters heads and hearts and that's good. Something else about the characters heads and hearts is Joker calls himself Batman's bow. So this goes back to our shipper spotlight in episode 300, where we said, well, I said my no TP was Joker Batman and I clarified that I think Joker does have shipping feelings towards Batman, but Batman does not reciprocate unless it's the killing joke, in which case I just hate the killing joke. How do you feel about Joker calling himself Batman's bow? I think this has been sort of established over the last uh, decade or, or two. Um, I'm fine with him um, going this way. Uh, I'm also with you. That's a no TB at all. I'm just kind of used to him being that sort of side of of Batman and and feeling that there is this um, close ethereal relationship. It it doesn't bother me. I think, I mean, it makes sense. It's it's the obsession that men maybe make you think and feel more than you do. I mean, when your whole life becomes about someone, that's some people's definition of of a relationship. So it would make sense that that someone as deranged <laughs> as Joker, who's so obsessed with with Batman, would, in his mind, consider himself like, why would Batman even think about anyone else? I'm his greatest enemy. You know, his mind should be on me all the time. So I think I think it makes sense. It's creepy as all get out, but it makes sense with the character. Yeah, it, it definitely makes, it, it's definitely creepy. Uh, it's definitely my new TP as well, uh, <laughs> outside of Tim and Steph. Uh, but it goes along with the, with the history of the character. I mean, you know, Steph mentioned one example. Another example, again, in the previous issue, as Batman was figuring out the plan, you know, the designer plan was that Joker was supposed to kill Batman and Robin, and Joker didn't want to do it. Like, why would I do that? And that just threw everything in a rye. Um, but, you know, I guess the, the, the notion that Joker and Joker has this obsession uh with Batman and and being the bow of Batman even as a villain uh is always going to be with us uh and I'm okay with that as long as someone doesn't get the nerve to be crazy enough to have Batman reciprocated uh then we'll then I'll have problems but I I'm okay with well, tune in for what I firmly believe is going to happen in Death Metal. Batman, Joker, kiss. <clears throat> anyway. The reason to not read it. <laughs> that covers all the questions I had for Batman number 94. Let's give our ratings. Out of five Batarangs, how many would you give this? Um, honestly, I felt this was... Um... I I wish there were more to this. I, it feels like it was lacking um, something. I'm not quite sure what it is uh, for me. Maybe it's the lead up to the Joker War that was more hyped up, and which I'm you know, 
getting excited about myself, but I felt like maybe something in, in the writing took away from uh, it for me a little bit. The art was, was great. Um, I'm just going to give this a, I'm going to give this a three. I feel like I have been lowballing these issues and they're so much better, I think. And then upon reread, I just, I do tend to like them better. So, and one thing we didn't even really talk about is when Selena wakes up, it, she has enough clout left in the villain community that they've actually rescued her. And that's the reason that she's not in the hospital. It's not that she ran away from Bruce, like Joker says. So I just, I don't know. There's a lot of things I really liked. And the art's pretty good. And I think it's doing a good setup. I, It's one of those issues that three and a half seems too low and four seems too high. But because I've been lowballing it, I think I might give it a four out of five. Because I'm, I'm getting excited, and I like the way that this story was was presented. And I think there was a lot of facets, and there was a lot to this story, even if it was like small little tidbits here and there. I think it was very well done. I am, I am torn between giving it a three or three and a half. And Palo made a good point. You know, through, throughout the talk, it it seems some things got lost. And trailed off. And the best way I can describe it, and I'm going to go into television a little bit, is the Netflix effect. You know, things start out great, and then it gets to a point where those middle episodes, they can almost do without. And then you get to that crescendo, and it's starting up again at the end. And the arc as a whole kind of does that. And I think we're at that point now that we're ending this arc that it's that low and that we're going to get into that crescendo again and things are going to pick up as we go into Joker War. Um, You know, and it kind of, I guess, goes to the argument that this arc could have been shorter than the nine issues that it was. But I'm I'm, I'm going to give it, oh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to give it three and a half. I'm going to give it a four. I think this was a fantastic issue. I love the references. I love the art. I love the relationships. It's everything I like about Tynan's writing at his peak. So it's definitely a four. Very excited to go into Joker Wars. Not words I thought I'd be saying at this point. <laughs> uh, uh, I think everyone knows I don't like the Joker, but Tynan has sold me. It, I think it's going to be an exciting story. That gives us an overall rating. Scott, by the way, on the site gave it a four out of five as well. Uh, that gives it, um, I think it's a mean three. rating of uh, it's four, three fours, one three, and one three point five. That's, oh, including Scott? Yeah. So I I'm saying that's a cheating. four. I don't okay. care. Fudging <laughs> <laughs> the numbers. <laughs> yep. This is a, a mean of, no, it's not mean. What Median. Median Yeah, no, mean four. is average. Yeah. Well, it's not an average. Average would be like 3.75 or something. I think it's a. Uh, I think it's median. <laughs> All right. So, and that is your math class for the day. <laughs> <laughs> we want you to review us. Uh, this is a new initiative we're doing on TBU Comic Podcast. We'd love to hear what you think about this episode. Send us a message at tbu at thebatmanuniverse dot net on our Discord server, which you can find on our website or our Twitter. Our Twitter at tbu underscore comics. Or if you're a patron on our Patreon page, which we do have a review from a patron today that we're going to read after our second review. 
or you can leave us a review on Stitcher or iTunes, and we'll read all of your comments and reviews on air next time. To leave a review on Stitcher, just click on the stars to the left of the episode, then click on Write a Review. To leave a review on iTunes, make sure you go to the iTunes app, and you'll be able to leave a review on your device that way. We, of course, would prefer a five-star review, but we will read all feedback, and we welcome any suggestions you have to make the show more engaging or ways to get more feedback from you guys, the fans. Now, on to our second review... Detective Comics 1023, written by Peter J. Tomasi, art by Brad Walker. Beneath the streets of Gotham. Ah, starting over, starting over. Beneath the streets of Gotham, Joker makes his way through the crumbled rock and finds himself standing in the midst of the tomb of the unworthy, the resting place of dead talents. As he, as he searches the multiple stone coffins, he stops at one with the initials LM inscribed on it. He's found his target. He pries open the sarcophagus and injects the resting figure with a serum taken from a member of the court. Minutes later, Talon, Lincoln March, rises, swearing devotion to the court. The Joker responds that his loyalty belongs to him. Back above ground at the Gotham Courthouse, Batman is still in pursuit of Two-Face. He's wondering about the connection between Joker, Hugo Strange, and Matt Hatter to Harvey's current state of mind. He sets out to find them in the hopes of them leading to Two-Face. He sets out and questions known accomplices until finally Batman finds where the villains are said to be hiding. He crashes through a window and quickly dispenses of Strange. Before he can get to Mad Hatter, he's hit with a hypnotic device that brings unwanted visions into his head, including a now-dead Alfred, who stands before him with a broken neck. As Bruce holds the head of Alfred in his hands, he awakens enough to smash Tetch's device. With a clear head, he quickly takes out the Mad Hatter and returns to a now-awakened Strange asking him again the whereabouts of Two-Face. Strange leads Batman to the old Gotham police armory. Batman calls for Harvey to come out. He explains that he knows what was done to him and how Harvey has been manipulated. Two-Face responds that no one controls him and attacks Batman in a prototype of the original Jim Bat's Batsuit. As the two battle, Batman devises a plan to incapacitate the suit and bring Two-Face down. He continues to reach out to Harvey, but Two-Face is having none of it. Batman ruined his plans and destroyed his church. Now he must pay. However, Batman hits Two-Face with a blast. As Batman moves in to make his final move, Two-Face stops him again. As he gets up, Batman realizes that a crack in the Jim Bat's face mask, exposing part of Harvey's face. New plan. Batman cracks the remainder of the face mask and places a device on Two-Face's temple. A shock blast is administered, bringing Two-Face to his knees. 
As Batman approaches the wounded Harvey, something flies into him, taking him to the ground. Batman looks up to see Lincoln March standing above him with the army of Talons standing behind. The Joker sends his regards. So how do this week's detective and this week's Batman match up to you? Well, the, the heavy focus seems to be that the Joker is really doing everything uh, at the beginning of this war. That's really how I get uh, tying in together and matching up. Um, there are some you know, weird, tiny things going on as Batman's been through this uh, nine-issue half-night uh, story arc, and we've got this two-faced one, which is considerably longer. So the timing of the Joker's appearances isn't exactly uh, you know, static. But I, I still appreciate kind of how, how they're matching up. I was ready to hate on it. But in the end, the only thing that really doesn't make sense or doesn't make it tie in, because you could argue, yes, Batman is happening all in one night, right? So uh, this this could have happened before. Okay. That has its problems, but sure. Okay, well, we can go with that. Joker came back to life, quote unquote, in this one night that is happening in Batman. So for Joker to be around and sending his regards, because to be fair, Batman doesn't see Joker. But for Talon to be say, I'm here on behalf of Joker, kind of ruins that if this is supposed to take place before Joker comes. And I'm a pretty sneaking suspicion this doesn't take place after Batman because we're leading into Joker War. So it doesn't make sense if Joker War is right around the corner for this story to be between Batman and Joker War. So, uh, it's not great continuity-wise. It's awful. <laughs> and, of course, none of the supporting cast is in this one. So, there's no Lucius. There's no Catwoman, even though she's supposed to be around. And Lucius is supposed to be around. It's just, it's a hot mess. That's my opinion. So, it's it's obvious that Steph read my review. Thank you, Steph. I didn't read your review. <laughs> so now I feel even more hurt that she said that she didn't read it. <laughs> and, and I'm uh, and, and I'm going to rely on it a lot as as I answer this question. You know, and I started out my analysis of the of the issue by saying that I really should like this issue more than I do, and I really should. If this was a standalone issue, it would be great. It would be absolutely great. But it's not a standalone issue. It's supposed to be a a tie-in slash prelude to this overarching Joker War event that we're supposed to be getting. And and like Steph mentioned, nothing matches. And even in my review, I took the time to point out just how some of this stuff does not match up so that we really don't know where things lie with regards to the continuity of it, of it all. You know, in, in, in Batman that we already reviewed, Batman knows Joker's behind everything. Yet in tech, Bruce is still trying to figure this out, you know, with, with Joker being the big bad, you know, in tech, he he t- 
takes out Jarvis Tesh, but then in Batman, Jarvis Tesh is walking around the Penguin's Lounge like nothing's going on, mm-hmm, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and just like Steph said, there's zero mention of, of Lucius. There's zero mention of Selena, yet both of them have significant roles in the Batman arc and will probably, probably have the same amount of, of role play and, and, and influence as we go into Joker War, yet there is absolutely zero mention of them. You know, my hope is that by the time all of this is said and done, that all of these books will tie in and and all will be in harmony. But right now it it's 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 tough to see that it, it's heading in that direction. And you know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. This is a problem when there's a lack of editorial leadership to to get the writers together to say, hey, you all need to need to be on the same page. Cause right now it's close, but it's still not there. And, and it's, 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 it's not close enough to where those who, who are fans of the character and fans of the book to not realize that it's not there. And it's just, it's, it's not good. What if, what if the, the continuity is that Tom King's run ends, bat and cat are together the rest of the family's kind of in disarray as Batman Pennyworth R.I.P. showed. And then this Two-Face arc happens. And we don't know how the Two-Face arc happens, but as far as I know, Batman and Joker haven't directly interacted yet. Joker's still very much behind the scenes, even though Batman's sort of aware of him. And someone sending, you know, Lincoln March sending Batman Joker's regards doesn't mean that it couldn't happen days or even months before uh, Joker War. And so let's say this Two-Face arc ends, and then their dark design starts, and that takes just a night. And that leads pretty much directly into Joker War, as far as we can tell. Does that fix the continuity for you, or does it feel like they're asking you to believe they're happening at the same time? I think they're asking you to believe it at the same time. My my big problem, and like I said, I was ready to argue, and I still am not happy, but I just don't like that he says Joker sends his regards. Like, it's current tense. It just, I don't know, maybe it's just the grammatician. Is that a word? In my head. But it just seems like he's saying, Joker sent me now. And Joker is supposed to be dead, or whatever. So, it's just kind of meh. Yeah, it, it it it's just it, it's hard for me to get on board with, especially knowing what's to come with other issues. And again, this is Theo who reads the solicits, and you know I won't go that far down the line, but it 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 should be better than this. It should be easier than this. You know, we 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 just lost. Denny O'Neill not too long ago. And that that was one thing that Denny had the knack of when it came to every single book in the Batman line, he kept it together. And there's no one at DC doing that, you know, and, and we've all had this discussion before where there's these little clicks of writers, you know, at DC and, 
it doesn't necessarily matter what one is writing, the other is going to do what he wants. And we, we saw it with even Tom King's run. It was far worse than what this is. And like I said, it, it, it's gotten better. It, it, it's gotten better as we're going into Joker War, but still the holes are just so obvious. It's just, uh, just I just want to scream. I'm, I'm, yeah, just, uh, uh. Fair enough. I I kind of exist in a land where I read Justice League sometimes when I read Justice League. I read the Bat Family titles. I read Batman. And if I can see connections, I'm happy. If I don't see connections, I just sort of assume they happen in sort of the same world. And I understand that DC would like us to think otherwise, but I think for our own sanity, that's the way we have to approach it because it's clearly not lining up. I mean... It'd be nice if they would do things similar to like Robert's, uh, sorry, Robin War or what was that one? Night of the Monster Men, where each issue tells a chapter of the story and it's not like things are happening at the same time. Each issue is sequential and you had issue one, issue two, issue three. But DC doesn't like to do that anymore. So we're kind of stuck here. It, it, but it has to get better. I mean, and it's I not hope so. Happen. It's not going to happen real soon. I mean, because again, if you read the solicits, you know, Catwoman's role is she comes from Villa Hermosa and she's jumping right into Joker War. Well, damn, she was in City of Bane too. Y'all not going to even mention that? Come on, come on, DC, give draw us a bone, please, please. We draw you money every week, every month. Draw us a bone. It does strike me that the two writers, Brandon uh, and um, Tomasi, historically have respect for the other titles. Um, we were to talk about Tynions and uh, Tomasi back in his Batman and Robin run. He, he did his best to um, keep everything in current continuity. It's strange that these two who seem to really relish that idea maybe haven't lined up on this particular timeline. They just did the Alfred story together. Yeah. But that was a flashback, so... So head-ringing. Just head-ringing. I'm uh, sorry. Getting off my soapbox. No, I think I think it's a perfectly legitimate thing, especially since we were, and we have been very excited about the idea of getting things you know, more on a, the same footing, and this is not that. Will it matter that Lincoln March is the talent that Joker resurrects? Or could it be any old talent in a mask? And my personal question is, why does the choice of Lincoln March suck? <laughs> um, I'm going to struggle an answer here. Um, I'm tired of the talents. Um, they've been popping up everywhere. He's almost like a, like how the Penguin was back in the New 52. <laughs> it, was, it was a good story, but they just keep popping up. Um, I'm actually really an unpopular opinion here, but I'm actually relieved that it is Lincoln March and not someone else. Because like, um, I forget his name, but Dick Grace, the ancestor of Dick Grace. Isn't his name William Ephraim or something? Oh, you're talking about William Cobb? The great yeah, Cobb, Cobb, yes. yeah, that He's guy. He one. keeps showing up. I think he was in Nightwing recently. He was. Yes, yes he was. Yeah. yeah. Um, He was the one I was really sick of. So it's... <laughs> Even though I, I don't like it as much, I I do prefer that it was Lincoln March than 
anyone else that we you know have been constantly seeing. I think the Joker may have. Uh, I think it might be important because of his connection to Batman. You know, being the quote unquote brother of him. Uh, that kind of shows Joker that is playing his hand with Bruce's identity. Um, so I don't think it sucks as much as as maybe everyone else does. I think it could be a cool turn. If there wasn't one issue left, I could see hope for that, but. There's one issue left. I just don't have faith in this book <laughs> that they would draw such an interesting thing as Lincoln March acknowledging that he's Bruce's brother, half brother, whatever, and that there's some going to be some kind of familial drama with that. I think, I think they picked. This is the pessimist in me who's starting to lose faith in Tomasi, which makes me so sad. But I think he just picked him because we know his name and then you don't have to explain who he is or where he came from because I was kind of right. I think I was right. Or maybe it was just one of my theories that that it was that Joker has getting all the talents. So I don't think it matters that it's Lincoln in the front. He may just be more leadery than the others. Just again, he's more popular maybe with the talents as well. So I don't think it matters. And uh, talons like Palo. I'm just I'm tired of talons. Even before they came back, I was tired of talons. Yeah, I I agree. You know, I'm, I'm tired of talons as well. Um, yeah, Lincoln March does suck uh, <laughs> simply because. But I'm okay with how this is done simply because he wasn't the only talon. He was just the talon that was front and center. Um, and, you know, with this one issue left, I, I, I hope Bruce is quickly able to get them into uh, a, a freezer and, and put them back to sleep and be done with it. It seems Tomasi is just playing rogues gallery roulette and picking, you know, the first the first rogue that he can come up with and, and he fell on Talon. Uh, uh, we got one more issue, guys. That's all. And I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat as Steph who had, who as a huge fan of Tomasi was quite excited when he was named on the book. And here it is over a year later, still trying to, find a way and, and see where he's trying to bring the character. And right now it's, it's, it's been, it's been tough. Um, like I said, I really should have liked this issue better than I do. I think it sucks because Lincoln March is in one of my favorite post flashpoint stories, Batman eternal. Now, I don't like Lincoln March in Court of Owls. I think that the whole ambiguity about him being Bruce's brother is dumb. I don't think Bruce should have a brother. I think that he should just be some dude who randomly looks a lot like Bruce. However, Batman Eternal had a really fun twist with Lincoln March, and then they put him in on ice and said he wasn't going to come out for a long time. And then he came out less than a year later in Robin War. And then they put him on ice again. And now he's coming out again. Now, you can, thinking about it, it is Joker who's bringing him out, not the court. 
So it's not them going back on the words again. But the court did bring him out in Robin War. And so I just don't like them yanking Lincoln March out again after Batman Eternal was supposed to be the end of him for a long time. So that's why I think Lincoln March showing up again sucks. And maybe and maybe the notion was we had to use I have to use Lincoln March because William Cobb was already used in Nightwing. I don't know. I'm I'm just trying to give Maybe they don't credit. have to use talons though. <laughs> yes, I totally agree. But just trying to throw Tomasia bone. Are Batman's hallucinations self-made, or are they projected? In other words, does Mad Hatter know Bruce Wayne is Batman as well? Okay, so I don't believe that Mad Hatter knows that is Batman. I think that he is manipulating the actions that cause Bruce to self-hallucinate, as you uh, asked in your uh, question. I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I rem- I recall um, a, a, a episode in Batman the Animated Series. You had, I believe it was the Scarecrow. Maybe it was uh, Hugo Strange. I, I forget. But they were doing something similar. They were sort of manipulating uh, Bruce's brain, that he was actually self-hallucinating, whereas they didn't have information of what he was seeing. So that's my thought on that. Yeah, when I when I saw it was Mad Hatter, I was that's this was my question. In case anyone thinks it's dumb, it was my question. Because <laughs> Mad Hatter tends to be more mind controlling rather than chemical imbalance. Or so Scarecrow obviously, you know, heighten your fear response and you see whatever you see. Is probably scientific or something. But with Mad Hatter, he tends to be more in control. So that's why I was just curious if this was maybe a slight departure from his MO, or maybe he's using his mind control to heighten like a fear response and, and then this is just what Bruce sees. But I w- I was just curious if you guys think that this is another villain <laughs> who now knows enough such intimate detail about Bruce to be able to to create these hallucinations. But I think, yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense that it's just all in his head and this is not something that big, big fancy thing that Mad Hatter had designed. Yeah, I, I, I'm in the same boat pretty much thinking it's 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 all in Bruce's head. Yeah. Um, before before I go on let me ask this question in this continuity right now does hugo strange know that is bruce bruce is batman because when when he smashes through the window he doesn't call him bruce he calls him batman um does he know in war of jokes and riddles i mean not sorry um night of the monster man i don't think he does i don't and so so yeah, so I, I, because I, it made me wonder when, when, when that particular panel popped up, whether Hugo Strange knows Bruce's identity as past iterations of Hugo Strange has, um, but it doesn't seem like he does, because even after, even after Batman takes out Tesh and it's just him, you know, you would think that, hey, 
but he long time no see and he doesn't he doesn't get personal with Bruce. He gets scared of Batman beating the hell out of him. Um but to get back to the original question, yeah, it's it's it's, it's uh all in his head. Um to to kind of piggyback off of what Steph was saying, I see Tesh more as a mind controller and not a mind reader. So mm. even even as he has the ability to hypnotize and project these things through groups, he doesn't have the ability to see the terror that's going on in his head. So it, 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 it's I'm definitely in the boat of it's self-made. I think that's very sensible. I would tend to agree. I also wonder, we have Superman revealing his secret identity. We have Joker knowing Batman's secret identity. Last time we had a superhero of this level revealing their identity, well, I guess technically last time was Superman, but then Superman died in uh, Last Days of Superman at the end of the New 52, and then we had a reboot. And then before that, you had Spider-Man revealing his identity, and there was a massive reboot of the Spider-Man titles back in 2007 with One More Day, which sucks, and no one should read it. Um, There is a sense, in my feeling, that we may be headed towards a reboot in the next year, possibly two years. And I think that the stories they're letting Tynan and Bendis tell with Superman and Batman feel like the kind of thing that corporate executives are going to say, why did you let them do that? Reboot everything. I want Batman to have a secret identity and Superman to have a secret identity. Stop that. So I wonder if that's intentional or if they actually have a way out of these stories that they're planning right now. Next question we have is the Bat Bunny suit or Rookie, uh, the suit that Jim Gordon wore as Batman in the New 52, makes a return. How do you like that? Um, it was fine. I wasn't really a big fan um, of it, of the Batman uh, storyline myself. Um, but, you know, it was it was nice to see the callbacks that Tomasi um, does, just like with Tynion. Um, it was fine. I thought it was interesting that Two Face, um, that particular weapon of the week, I guess. Yeah, it was fine. I loved it just because it messes everything up again. Because they kind of seem to be picking and choosing what they want from the new 52 to be real in this reality. Like, we already know that that the Mr. Freeze from the new 52 is not this Mr. Freeze. So you could argue that the new 52 didn't happen, but here we have the bat bunny suit. And I just think that's hilarious because it's just who cares anymore, right? Who cares about continuity? Who cares? It's just whatever. So I was just more curious what, what uh, Ian in particular, because I know you liked super heavy. I just was wondering what your particular opinions were, but I'd love to hear what Theo has to say first. Well, Rookie is one of the few parts of Snyder's run on Batman that I actually liked. I didn't like the idea of Super Heavy being 
uh, a year long. Uh, but the the idea of rookie was a good one, especially once Jim was out of the suit, out of the robot, and you see that he was actually, you know, able to function on its own. Um, I would have hoped to see more of that aspect of rookie. Uh, so I was okay with it. Again, like I said, it, it, it's one of the few things about the new 52 run on Batman that, that I enjoyed. Um, and I will leave it at that. I really liked seeing it. I don't like that. It's, you know, in the hands of a villain, because the last time we saw rookie was actually in Tynan's run of detective. Luke Fox used rookie as his friend and research assistant, um, during the intelligence arc. Well, that one still there. Remember, right. This was the one that, Two-Face was in was one of the first prototypes, so it right. wasn't the original. And we know that, you know, a suit can be mass-produced, especially when uh, GCPD was attempting to have more than one Batman. And in the Batgirl title, there was actually a bunch of remote-controlled uh, rookie drones or rookie-type drones. I can't remember if that was part of a bigger storyline or not, but I distinctly remember a bunch of flying rookie style drones so there's clearly a lot of this body model floating around gotham and surplus at this point so i love the reference even though i'm sad that poor old rookie is being used as an evil thing again because <laughs> i loved him as batman i loved his relationship with his suit it's very much you know sort of like a a marine and his rifle a boy and his robot dog type thing <laughs> next question um, and last question, actually, do you think the Talons will be vo- involved in Joker War proper, or is this just part of the prelude section? We still have an issue left, so it's possible that the Talons can be wrapped up, and I honestly hope that they are. Um, Joker has already uh, referred to him as a, as a recruit, so I, I'm afraid that um, at least one is going to be around for for a little bit and i'm afraid that's going to be lincoln march (laughs) i'm trying to find the reading order anyway i'm trying to figure out which which um titles are going to be in here because we know that talons are already in nightwing and we know that talons are in detective comics this book that we are reading right now that i review (laughs) So I'm worried that they are going to be more involved, especially with the assassins leaving Gotham in Batman. There's no one and all the rogues are locked in a bunker. So there's no one to other than Joker's goons to be his force. And I think he knows he can't rely on his goons because he doesn't. <laughs> so I, I think the talons are going to be the muscle. In the Joker War. Which means Lincoln March will probably be involved, but just as a lackey. I, I would be surprised if he ever even takes his mask off and that his identity matters at all. So I am going to be the one that holds out hope that DC will spare us the agony and will will end things uh, with the next issue of Tech. And that, you know, we 
we won't be subjected to any more talent uh, in the near future. But I also expect to be woefully disappointed uh, and that they may still be around. Um, not a fan. Never was a fan. So if, 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 if Mr. Free shows up and just drop a big iceberg on the, on the tomb of the unworthy and put them all back to sleep, I'll be a happy guy. I don't really know. I don't really have a sense of what Joker's plan is because all I know is that Joker knows Batman's identity and is using it to destroy him. Very similar to something like Daredevil Born Again where Kingpin destroys Daredevil's life because he finds out his secret identity. But I don't know where Tynan's going, so I'm kind of along for the ride, but I thought that this issue of Batman really got me on on board, whereas this issue of Detective kind of leaves me kind of, eh, whatever. So, with that being said, what... Let me, go ahead. Let me ask you a quick question. Do the Talons know Bruce's identity, considering the court does? I mean, Lincoln does. Right, I know, right. Of course, and Lincoln William does. Cobb has to. Yeah. I think it really depends on how high up in the hierarchy the Talon was. So obviously Lincoln and William were very high up. I think your quote-unquote average run-of-the-mill Talon probably doesn't. Strix, I'm pretty sure, doesn't. Strix was the Talon who joined Batgirl. And I think she joined the Birds of Prey in that terrible new 52 run. So what are our ratings out of five Talons? (laughs) Talons. I'm going to give this a two and a half out of five Talons. Two and a half. I gave this a three on the website. If this was a solo issue, it probably would have been a four, but the the holes were just too much for me. So one talent less. Uh, so it's stuck at a three. I think I'm going to give it a two out of two and a half out of five as well. Brad Walker is a very good artist, but I just don't enjoy his stuff as much. So that's where I'm going. It's average quality craftsmanship ideas and execution kind of make it average for me uh and i think that the median rating would be a two and a half out of five for detective comics number 1023 we do have two pieces of feedback from our listeners this week sorry to interrupt master booth ringing your phone now this needs my attention Johnny McCloskey said on Patreon, I think, I had to stay out for a month or so on Patreon, but I'm back. Really loving the new addition of Theo to the podcast. And Ian's love of Stephanie Brown shows that he has incredible taste. Finally, I love the element that Steph adds to the show. Checks in the mail. Thanks, buddy. (laughs) Well, Thank I don't know who sent much, us the check because he gave us all great props. We really appreciate <laughs> that, Johnny. Um, we do definitely. I have really appreciated my co-hosts, Theo and Steph, just the different perspectives they bring and the fact that we can have these different conversations so it's not just all repeating the same things. And, of course, I really appreciate our guest hosts like Palo who have come on and given us their time to give a new perspective. And our second comment was on the Discord. Caspian73 said, been listening to episode 300. Sorry I'm late, and it's really good. Enjoyed Dustin's intro song, LOL. 
Costello was fun to listen to, even though I'm not a big romance guy and the different ships. And I miss the old Dustin Ian arguments. Lol. Well, I'm with him too. I miss his argument. (laughs) I always feel awkward about trying to be too argumentative when I'm supposed to be leading the podcast because I feel like it's like a moderator getting involved in an argument with a regular poster. There, there's just this sense that it's not fair, and so think you and I need to have more arguments. (laughs) So, so I, I. When when asked to join the cast, I clearly had this idea that Ian and I were going to be the Dustin and Ian of yore because on the server, there were plenty of times where we just wholeheartedly were on different pages on a lot of stuff. And yet we're here and we kind of are on the same page more times than, a, than not. And so one of these days I'm going to, I'm going to do a rant, not like today, but hopefully I make Dustin proud. (laughs) Well, anyway, Caspian, we really appreciate your comment and listening. There's no problem with people leaving comments on the discord or the Twitter or email on older episodes. If you want to do that, where we will read all of them. We do caveat that if you leave more than a page of notes, then we may trim for time, but, We have a question of the week, which we're going to start as one of our regular listener engagement things. So feel free to leave one of your comments as a response to the question of the week, and we'll give our own answers to the question of the week. This one is, what's your favorite cover of this week? Now, this could be Batman or Detective or any of the other DC comics that are released. um, I'm going to have to say Detective because I'm I'm part of the... I mean, Selena. Um, stress. <laughs> Just because it's really, little, less, less really evil. There, there's none of this stupid cliffhanger lies. Yeah. I unfortunately did not check out too many covers, so I'm going to have to say Tech 2. No, there's no... I mean, if you just have the two, that's fine. Just uh, pick one. <laughs> Although it's a misleading cover for Tech as well, but at least it's not obnoxious and overly done. The the Libra Bermejo variant for Tech is pretty nice as well. However, my cover of the week, without a shadow of a doubt, Five Low Robins. Oh, that, yes. That, that thing, I made a wallpaper. <laughs> I absolutely loved it. I bought that while we were talking. <laughs> that that was such a great cover. It's by artist Vikan Marion. I am torn between that one and the Young Justice cover by uh, John Timms. It's num- Young Justice number 16, and it's just sort of a kaleidoscope of, uh, what's his name? Bart Allen, the Kid Flash from the future. No, Impulse. Sorry, he's Impulse. And I just thought that was a really clever design. I just love, and I'm loving Young Justice, as I think everyone knows on the server. So there you have it. You've got two votes for Detective. you got a vote for... Five Little Robins, which I also throw my vote behind, but I also picked Young Justice number 16. So tell us your favorite covers of the week. This has been the Batman Universe comic podcast. We'd like to thank our Patreons, Ian Miller, Rob O, Stephanie Mounts, Ed Grouse, Captain America, Johnny McCloskey, Robert Lewis, Gerald Green, Real No Deuces, Donovan Morgan Grant, Brendan Roberts, Mary Garrett, 
Theodis Wright, Joshua Lappin Bertoni, Tim Garassi, Stanton's Grave, Hannah Gar, Austin Davis, and Donald Townsend. We appreciate all of your support, and we hope that we'll see you next time on the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. This has been Ian. This is Donald. This was Steph. And this is Theo. And we'll see you next time with more Batman Universe comics.